I'm gonna trick former guest Ben into making us a theme song. That's it. Okay. Better, closer, warmer. Uh, all modern art is communistic. I want to be the first man to nut in space. Fuck you. Fuck off. Where are we finding it? Why can't we Better, find it? Closer, Why do you guys warmer. keep saying all this change? We're playing Fortnite. Let's have fun. We need to get to that post-World War II mentality where Better, closer, no one in the warmer. world is going to Twitch and typing in climate first. Don't tweet us about how our stuff's inaccurate. At this point, I don't think the N-word tape would change anything. The piss tape might. From New Orleans to New York. It's the Alenios Podcast, baby. Dude, that was TNT. Welcome back to the Illenials Podcast. I'm Smith. I'm Seth. And Seth, we are sadly dry again this week. Well, in honor of Marcus not being here once again, I just took a big drink of water. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping that I can make up for some of the, the lack of moisture we have. You're going to moisten it up. Let me take a drink too here. Yeah. I've already slobbered all over the microphone. So I'm hoping... I think that's what Marcus does when he talks. So... That's his tradition. I've, I've seen it happen. He's from that vocal school that uh, they call them the wet mics. Just really get in there. Just put it in yeah, your mouth. I'm sure they get mixed up with other groups a lot. <laughs> but, you know, you can't really help it when you're in the business. So, um, starting out, I just wanted to say, uh, this is a personal uh, anecdote. Uh, today, Seth, I almost died twice. In real life? In real life. What happened? People are driving... You know how people drive crazy on Fridays at 5 o'clock when it's time to go home? Yeah. People are driving crazy today at 5 o'clock for some reason. It's Veterans Day, my man. They're trying to... Oh, man. They're trying to get back. Two separate cars pulled out like right in front of me. If I had not hit the brakes, we would not be talking right now. It was... It's... I don't know what's going on, dude. There's something in the fucking water out there. It's crazy. Yeah, you know one thing I love... And this is mm. this is uh, this is this new thing I'm doing. It's like relatable humor, I'm trying to okay. trying to take it on the road sometime. Sure, um, but I've I've lived I've had three distinct places I've lived in my life. I've lived in South Georgia, I've lived in Atlanta, and now I live in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And everywhere you go, people are like, people don't know how to drive here. People don't know how mm-hmm. to drive. They're like, oh, people, and then they're like, oh, then their city. Like I look like in Charlotte, people are like, oh, everyone. In Charlotte isn't from Charlotte. They're from like New York and Philadelphia, and they don't know how to drive, so they come here, and now the roads are bad. And then I'm like, I'm just like, you know, everywhere you go, people say this. So is it just that no one knows how to drive, and everyone's bad? Because it's not just one place. Every place you go, people say this comment. So it's got to be that just everyone must just be awful. The only person trying to drive is you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you mean that talking to me specifically, not to yourself. <laughs> no, it's 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 a subjective thing. Everyone yeah. thinks they're the one good driver. Yeah, I got it figured out. Like I drove, I was driven around by our co-host Marcus, who I will talk about since he's not here. And I've never been more terrified of anything in my life. If there's one thing we need to do, it's roast Marcus a little bit more. But yeah, driving with other people, it can be stressful sometimes. I mean, sometimes you have a really good driver, and you're like, all right, I'm fine. But sometimes if somebody just does, makes a decision a little bit different than I would, I'm like, I hate this. I need to leave. Yeah, I, I understand entirely. So. 
city. Uh, and, uh, and this is why we should crush car culture and just have trains, because no one can get mad at the train. Train just the train goes. Exactly. We need to get. We need first of all, it's the whole thing we talked about with um. You know how we were like, oh, we should get America to be socialist by being like, oh, we'll do the biggest best socialism mm-hmm. ever. You know, we need to spark some of that into public transportation. Because we have some of the worst public transportation for a company. A company. Wow. A country with our resources. Slip. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like, I think Lee Carter, the uh, House um, delegate from Virginia, did a thread about how Austria is about the same size as Virginia. And they have one of the best public transit systems in the world with trains and buses. And how Virginia yeah. has just nothing. And, of course, you got a lot of chuds that were like, you know, shitting on him, but at the same time, he also made a lot of really good points about how we could really just build a lot more fucking light rail and trains. I mean, especially among, you know, countries of our size and resources. I mean, countries like Japan have incredible uh, public transport systems that are all always on time. I heard a stat that, like, last year they were collectively late by uh, three minutes total. They were late. I did see a story one time so, about how a train was uh, about two minutes late in Japan, and they fucking apologized. The company issued a public apology, and the chief operating officer stepped down. Wow. <laughs> There's a whole different culture over there in Japan. It's insane, dude. Around here, if that happened, the fucking Pacific Gas and Electric is cutting off power to hundreds of thousands of people because they're going to set the fucking forest on fire, and all damn things happened to them. Yeah. No one's saying shit to those guys. Oh, did you see this great thing that the Uber CEO said? Oh, no. (laughs) They asked him about Saudi Arabia. Remember at that time when they took that journalist, Jamal Khashoggi, and they bone-sawed his ass apart? Yeah. They asked him about that. And here's his response, okay? Get ready for this. He says... It's a serious mistake. We've made mistakes too, right? With self-driving. So I think that people make mistakes. It doesn't mean that they can't ever be forgiven. <coughs> My God. <laughs> He's like, hey, you know, it ha- hey, it happens to the best of us. You know, you're cutting a reporter's throat you're making self-driving cars you know you you leave the milk out one night it's all in the same realm i love that his brain leapt instinctively from this country murdered a journalist to oh shit our cars kill people we should probably talk about that right now yeah like he didn't even have to bring their fuck up stuff at that point (laughs) my god just pivot away uber Uber, it's a long, we talked about it before. It's, it's a long, it's one of these tech companies that's like, or not even a tech company, but a company in the tech field that is like only propped up by a bunch of like empty money. Yeah. They don't make any money. They can't afford to make money. And we're just going to, they're just going to keep using it and just starve forever. They've never once been profitable. They, they, their business model doesn't allow for it, and their only goal is to drive out the traditional cab companies and jack the prices up. And so it's it's a it's a terrible model, but they're they're just you know like he's like you said empty money, just VC, just pouring money into them and hoping for the best. And it's a uh, it's just indicative of capitalism throwing money away a, bat, a, a a shitty dead end project that is only going to hurt people and not enrich our society at all. Yeah, VC culture is one of those things. I didn't, like, I've come to understand it 
in the past couple of years, and I'm just like, it, this is the most insane thing ever. There's just these people. Like, you watched that, that show Shark Tank? You ever watched it I before? I watched episodes, yeah. It's just, I mean, I can't imagine, how, how, how can a person afford to be on more than one episode of that show? Like, how is it that they can constantly be paying hundreds and thousands, millions of dollars per episode to these random people? I have no idea how they do it. Um, I actually saw a pretty great, I wish I could remember who did it, but it was a great tweet. It was like, let's just, let's do a new version of Shark Tank where it's one venture capitalist guy who has to justify how much money he makes to a, 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 a panel of Burger King employees. That's nice. That's a good one. I'd, I'd much rather watch that show. But yeah, so it's it's like the the tech you know model of things and how this this whole like uh, puffed up thing. Like we just found out like a couple weeks ago that the company that was responsible for most of the data metrics, you know, that was like saying that like you know video was the future, right? That pivot the video was gonna be was gonna be the way to do things. They were making it all up. They were kind of, they were like just inflating the numbers, making themselves seem more important. Yep. It was it was literally all fake, and it was aided by Facebook and their their algorithm and everything, and it was so it, it was so big that it became a, a subplot or a, a small subplot mention on an episode of Succession. Yeah, I remember that. You know, it just it blew up the whole goddamn site because none of it was real. It was all just fake. Yeah, and. Yeah, I mean, you. I mean, I'm sure you've seen it. Like any any website you used or like Twitter thing you followed, uh, a couple of years ago they started making a bunch of video content, and now all that shit's dead. Yeah, all of it is gone, dried up completely. Because video, it turns out, is expensive to make. Yeah, it's it's not cheap, and you gotta you gotta have you know you gotta pay for hosting for all that the video you're putting up because you gotta have it available forever. You can't ever have a, a video go down because people want it. They want to know what happened five years ago. You got to have it. So, and that stuff ain't cheap. And like, here's the thing too. Like all the money goes into this. Is it really covered by the costs of advertising that I can block with, with ad block? Yeah. That's another thing I, I really don't understand is how many people aren't using ad block. Must be a lot. Because I would think that at this point enough people are using it because I, I, assumed when adblock first came out that within a month it will be done they'd find a way to get around it but adblock still works and people use it more and more i mean i have I, i'm surprised that you can still get propped up by ad money like there i guess there's enough people out there who are just watching these ads and you know fucking paying attention to all of it and it's it just it's so weird to me because I just don't think that there's enough people who are generating, uh, you know, clicks and therefore, you know, like content that would sell things, right? Like, I don't really see how putting ads for, I don't know, uh, bounty paper towels before a YouTube video really helps all that much because, first of all, is anyone watching it and paying attention? And is anyone really swayed by advertising in this scenario? Because... Take something that you have to, you need, like paper towels or toilet paper or whatever. Most people, I think, probably just go for what's cheapest. Yeah, or they have, or even if not, even if you're a person who can like maybe afford the not cheapest thing, you probably have a brand you just buy every time yeah. or whatever. And that's my biggest thing ever 
is the company that spends the most money on advertising is Coca-Cola. And I feel like that is a bunch of money they could save. Yeah, it's like... Because who doesn't know what Coca-Cola is and if they want to drink it or not? Yeah, I, I'm a guy who likes Coca-Cola. I love it. And I don't need to be told that it's what I want to drink. I've pretty much got it at this point, you know? Yeah. Coca-Cola has enough word of mouth by this point that everyone who is born and who is going to die in America and most countries in the world are going to know what Coca-Cola is and are going to know if they want it or not. Are they afraid that Pepsi's going to somehow come from behind and get them? Maybe. I mean, I, I really I really have no idea. I mean, I'm sure there's some guy with his abacus who's behind all this who's like, no, I know we have to spend $6 billion on marketing because otherwise we wouldn't make any money and i'm like okay man good for you i mean their people are getting paid in the process so i'll take it but it's just strange to me some of the advertising stuff yeah now i often wonder where the money is really coming from you know like i don't just i just don't think there's enough money in internet advertising to make up for the content that you're in it like you're paying people a de- okay first of all a lot of these places aren't paying a decent wage for the work they're getting but if yeah. they were, it would definitely not be enough money. And even if they're not, still not enough. I just don't see it, man. I don't. I think these companies have more money than what they do with, and the metrics sort of convince them that they should be advertising. And now we're seeing it for what it is, which is a paper tiger. And who knows what will happen next? Yeah, and it's always crazy because then you'll like you'll randomly see like a tweet or a article about some YouTuber who you've never heard of. Some guy, his name is. Johnny Pipes or something, right? Yeah. And then you're like, oh, okay, what's this guy about? And then you're like, oh, Johnny Pipes just moved into an 18-story mega mansion uh, because he makes so much money from ads. And you're like, I've never even heard of this person before. Nope. And all of a sudden, he's the richest man in the world? How did this happen? And it's all from these ads. <laughs> and I don't know how. Like, literally, almost every month, I discover some new youtuber through some article that i've never heard of and it's always they're already a millionaire or they're already some crazy rich person from ads yeah like how did this happen it's it's really weird to me because it just seems like i don't like i guess i don't watch those youtube channels that advertise stuff sometimes i will see a video or some like a dude will be talking at the beginning of the episode and also notice be like and that's why we've got these headphones that are great apparently that are sponsoring us this week and i'm like is really is fourteen thousand hits on a video really enough to justify what you're paying this dude to do this? Which I mean, I guess can't be much, but still, it's weird. Also, you know that you know there are like thirty minute long ads on YouTube. What? Okay, I did not know this, and I don't know how to find them. I really wish I did because I would share them because they are ridiculous. But I was at this um, Indian restaurant here in Charlotte, and they have like a bunch of TV set up, and there's like six TVs, three on each wall. And they just have, you know, uh, uh, a movie playing and a music video playing, a news playing, some cricket playing, like pretty, pretty much everything that's like you can any all Indian culture you can get in America they have playing. Mm-hmm. And so the TV that's playing like uh, Indian songs has um, it's like on YouTube. It's just playing like a playlist on YouTube. And I guess the owner is just they don't like have enough time to go check it and like replay it all the time because one time there was this lapse in the playlist and in between the two songs it played a fifteen minute long ad for I think Skittles. Wow. 
And I was like, this actually, and it was like, a, it wasn't even an ad. It was almost like a YouTube video. It was this girl who like was like, oh, I'm going to fill my room with Skittles and I'm going to let my boyfriend come in and he's going to be all confused. And it was like one of these insane YouTube videos, but it was an entire ad. I'm going to fill my pussy with Skittles. My boyfriend. Yeah. It. Yeah. Okay. Well, oh my God. That was <laughs> so much so fast. <laughs> um, I'm just thinking like, what could you even say about Skittles for 15 minutes? It's literally, I mean, it's, it's, it's honestly like one of those vlogs where it's just like, all right, I'm going to do this today. And then they just, it's all in their bedroom and they're just doing much of stupid shit. And I'm like, this is actually something that exists. Like, I'm not sure what the cheat code is to unlock the 15 minute ads, but they're there. Good Lord. Um, I wanted to talk real quick, Seth. So did you see what happened this past week with Bill Gates? Yeah, he's like a bad guy. People are just not figuring it out, right? It's crazy. People are just not figuring this out. But the, the impetus for all this is him talking about Elizabeth Warren's wealth tax, which I want to note for everyone out there, the reason that all these billionaires are talking about Elizabeth Warren's wealth tax is that her tax is less harsh than Bernie Sanders' wealth tax. So they are deliberately trying to make her seem like the real threat by not talking about Bernie Sanders, who is the actual threat to them. Yeah, because hers is like a barely even a slap on the wrist hers is two cents on every dollar you make over 50 million yeah which is crazy bernie's i believe is six cents over every dollar after every dollar you make over 30 million yeah and one interesting thing about this by the way is uh, a person who decided to come or a pair a power couple who've endorsed elizabeth warren recently are john legend and chrissy teigen Yes. And Chrissy Teigen was talking some shit about Bernie Sanders on Twitter. So someone went and looked it up and found out that uh, they would get hit by Bernie Sanders' wealth tax, but not Elizabeth Warren's wealth tax. Ah, the loophole candidate. They've only got like $40 million. Only. Yeah. Oh, man. (laughs) Surprised they're even able to walk out the house. Yeah. So uh, Bill Gates was talking about how uh, he's paid $10 billion in taxes, more than anybody else in America. And he said he's fine with paying more taxes, but if you tax me in a hundred billion, I'm starting to wonder what do I really have left over. Do you know how much money he has right now to his name? Uh, like a, a couple billion, right? One hundred and two billion dollars. Yeah, he's got a nice little, you know, a few billion laying around. So if we tax him at a hundred billion dollars, he still has two billion left over. Yeah, which is more than most people will need in several several generations worths of lifetimes. I think it was someone did the math and they said that if someone came and handed you a thousand dollars a day, you would you would be from it would take the time from the uh, the moment Christopher Columbus set foot in the Americas to now, and you still wouldn't be a billionaire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's the math is like you could work, you could have a job where you got where you made a hundred dollars an hour from the day you were able to work until you were like eighty, and you still would not even have. Um, you know, close to what some of these billionaires have. They said it so will be like, like 380 years. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, fuck this. You don't need this much money. So Bill Gates is making his thing about everyone, you know, everyone thinks Bill Gates, oh, he's the good billionaire. He's one of the good ones, like Warren Buffett. You know, he's a good guy. Uh, he's fucking not, first of all. He has spent lots of money on positive media for himself and Melinda to make them seem like good people and they do a lot of this like charitable work and philanthropy. People are like, oh, he's philanthropic. He gives away his money. 
he shouldn't have the fucking money in the first place to give it away. Why are we trusting a, a one dude to make the right decision, you know? Yeah. I also found out the other day that um, people make a big deal about how he donates to countries in Africa. Mm-hmm. Like, lots of money. But people went and dug it up and found out that he only donates to countries where they mine the minerals that go into computer processors. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. If you think this man is not self-serving as fuck, you're insane. Also, do you know what his big interest in Africa is? They want to mine that. They, they want that to be the next, like, labor region. Yeah, but do you know what his, like, uh, his philanthropic interest is? No. He wants to promote population control in Africa. Explain. He is funding, like, sex education and condom distribution and stuff like that to, like, stop people from having babies in Africa. And it's just a form of eugenics uh, to a lot of people. It's like he, he's basically saying, no, here in the Western world, the developed world, we are going to have as many babies as we want. But you people we've been fucking for centuries and taking all of your shit, you don't get to ha- you don't get to have babies. You don't get to to increase your population. Mm. He's making that decision unilaterally by funding these things. Yeah, and it's pretty fucking racist. But here's the other thing about Bill Gates is that, like you said, he has the interest right his countries where they they mine the the, the minerals for microprocessors and stuff like that, uh, because that's his true interest in really in this whole thing really, but. The other thing uh, is that he has given all his money to malaria research, right? Trying to, to, to help out with malaria problems. Do you know what country never got any money from Bill Gates or malaria uh, assistance? What? Cuba. Interesting. Weird pick. Weird one to leave out. Oh, yeah. Just because of their, their, their communist government, we definitely don't want to help the Cubans out with, uh, with all this. So, yeah, Bill Gates is a massive uh, uh, piece of shit, and he spends a lot of money to convince people he's not a, p- a piece of shit. Yeah. I'm just going to put it this way. It's been said a hundred times before. There is, I mean, no, I'm not even going to say almost. There is no ethical way to make a billion dollars. No, there's not. There is There is almost no ethical way to make a million dollars. That you can kind of get around a little bit. Yeah. But... A billion, there is no way you haven't exploited a bunch of people and probably have a, a, com- created a complete path of destruction in your wake. Yep. And the thing we've got to realize about this is that, uh, like, I see people on the internet saying, oh, Bill Gates, he had a great idea. He made Microsoft for the PC. And that's that's helped so many people. And I'm like, that he didn't help anybody. He didn't give the fucking computers away. He sold them to people. That's not helping people. Yeah. People like to pull that a lot. They're like, oh, these guys, they created this in- incredible stuff. We should thank them. I'm like, yeah, but they didn't They didn't do it <laughs> just because they want to be called great people. They didn't do it because they were nice. They did it because they knew it would make them money. Yeah, and Bill Gates didn't sit there and make every single Windows computer, right? Oh, and also, Bill Gates, born fucking rich. Yeah. So, pretty much fucked from day one, honestly. The thing is, you can have a great idea. Okay, okay, here, here's what I gotta say. The difference between Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren is Bernie Sanders tweeted about this whole thing. Uh, well, let's, let's go to Warren's response first. Uh, she said she'd love to sit down and have a beer with Bill Gates and talk about ideas for the future. Of course. And Bill Gates responded back, yeah, I'd love to sit down and leave. We could have a chat. Bernie Sanders tweeted that Bill, basically Bill Gates should be afraid. Because you're going to tax him. 
Yeah, but look at Bill Gates' response. Do you think that Bill Gates, he didn't mention the beer that Warren mentioned. <laughs> Do you think that means that he's a recovering alcoholic? I mean, I'm not, I'm not, hey, I'm not trying to point any fingers, make any accusations, but it's almost a fact that Bill Gates was a massive alcoholic a couple of years ago. Allegedly, Bill Gates uh, is in AA right now. It's hard because everyone knows who he is already, but. Yeah, he's like, hi, I'm going to like, we know, we know, (laughs) we've seen you before. Hi, I'm Mike. No, you're not. (laughs) Yeah, come on, buddy. (laughs) Um, so yeah, Bernie Sanders did not get a response on his tweet uh, about uh, Bill Gates. Yeah, but you know what? With all these billionaires fucking us over and exploiting the resources of this world, you know what we might need one day? What's that? A Death Stranding. <laughs> Seth, I would love to know what the Death Stranding is. I you still to, don't know? I would love to know what Bridge Babies are. I would love to know what BT stands for. I don't know what the beach is. Uh, no, Seth, I don't know shit yet. That's I, so crazy, because I've heard so many people like explain what a Death Stranding is from the game. I, I just, I, I'm surprised you haven't gotten there yet. All I have heard so far is that there was a thing that happened called the Death Stranding, and that it did something to the world that fucked everything up, and now I am a post-apocalyptic uh, mailman who is bringing packages from city to city that I never get to enter and, and, and visit. For, for listeners, we're talking about a video game made by Hideo Kojima called Death Stranding. It got released uh, last mm-hmm. week, right? So yes, Seth, Death Stranding was released last week, and I have been having a lot of fun with Kojima's uh, billion-dollar uh, walking simulator yeah, so uh, there's a lot of lead. Up, there's a lot of lead up to this game. Mm-hmm. People are like, Kojima is being secretive. The first trailer was released, and it was you know, it, it you know, it was one of those oh, more questions than answers kind of thing. And ever since then, he's been you know, the the, the development has been very guarded. Any details that come out make it seem even less like a video game mm-hmm. that people are actually going to play. And there's all these actors in it. There's Norman Reedus from The Walking Dead. There's uh, Margaret Qualley from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and um, Leftovers. There's directors like Guillermo del Toro and Jordan Vote Roberts and there's uh, Mads Mikkelsen. Mads Mikkelsen, the you know from Hannibal. Um, and it's Leah just got Sadu. all this, yeah, Leah Sadu. and it's got all this this weird shit going on. Mm-hmm. But the question is, is it? Good. Is it a video game? It is a video game, and it has a surprisingly deep gameplay system. It is. It is. It is people hate uh, the, the worm has turned or open world games. People want less open world stuff, and I I'm, I understand that entirely. Uh, but this is not a case of a mile wide, an inch deep. It is a mile wide and a mile deep because. The basic gameplay is you are walking between different places to deliver packages. But getting there is a challenge because it's it's a very weird version of America. And the whole place is now just full of weird mountains and canyons and shit. And so a lot of the game is navigating this, this terrain and finding good paths. And it's like... It's a very complicated system of how you move around because you have to like keep keep on like a uh, good terrain. Now, your character can move, he can climb, he can, he can do all kinds of crazy shit. But it's like as you get more packages that, that stack up on your back, 
you have to be careful about where you do you distribute your weight and how you move. Like if you're running forward and you turn right very quickly, your your character will fall over to the right unless you hold down L2 to like shift your weight back to the left to get even again. Ah yes, I've seen memes about this. It is it is interesting. Um and so uh, part of it is leaving stuff in the world like ladders and ropes and other later on to get other like bigger constructions you can make to help you get around. But the thing is, is that your stuff that you lay down appears on people's worlds sometimes. And if it helps them out, they can like it. <clears throat> and that's sort of like a leveling system in the game is the more likes you get, the higher level gets. Your level doesn't do anything for you. Just makes you, just gives you a cool title or whatever. Um, so yeah, that's the basic game. There's a lot of extra stuff layered in there, like, uh, picking up lost packages and delivering them, fighting off these guys called mules. Okay. I got to explain what the mules are real quick. Cause it is so relevant to this podcast. Well, I mean, we've, we've all seen the Clint Eastwood movie, the mule. So yes. I think we all know. Well, this is a little different from that, uh, but similar in some ways. So, uh, in the future of death stranding, the world that, it, that we have not been to yet, Essentially, Amazon took over America, and everyone was laid off from their jobs doing stuff because robots could do it all, right? We had drones that could just fly around and deliver stuff to people. And it was an economic nightmare. People were depressed. People couldn't get money to work, and there had to be, like, massive social program payouts to to help everyone. And their solution to this problem was, all right, people need to work, so we're going to put them back to work. So America created this... A groundbreaking make-work program to put all these people back to work out there, doing pretty much useless jobs that robots could do, but it kept people satisfied. And so when the Death Stranding happened and the world basically broke, because I guess something had to do with like life and death fucked up things, uh, these people who had become addicted to doing these make-work jobs lost their goddamn minds. And so now they roam the wasteland looking for people like you, porters, who are carrying mail so they can beat you up and take your mail and deliver it themselves because they are genetically horny for delivering the mail. So they're like, at this point, they, they just, they've just been indoctrinated into working so much they can't give it up. Exactly, yeah. And then they have like bandit yeah. camps around the, the world. And it's it, it is a very it's a very capitalism bullshit thing for sure. So this this game's on our side. I would say that uh, Kojima is more interested in telling this weird metaphysical story, but I do think he has some Marxist leanings. There's a Marxist reading of Death Stranding for sure. Okay, and uh, one interesting thing I've heard about the game is that um, the character you're playing as Norman Reedus whose name is, I wish, Norman Reedus. Mm-hmm. Um, he has an interesting relationship to the president. His, his The president is, okay, spoilers real quick for early game. This is like the second mission in the game. So everyone just get ready. Yes, the president is his mother. And what's her name? <laughs> her name is Bridget Strand. I thought her last name was America. No, her daughter's last name is America. Oh, her daughter's last name is America. Amelie Strand America. Wow. Just getting her prepped for that job, just to be, be president one day. By the way, Seth, do you know what the president's right-hand man is named? Please tell me. Die Hardman. Is this the best video game ever? 
Is this is this the best game anyone's ever played? Because it sounds like it. And for seemingly no reason whatsoever, Die Hardman wears a like carbon fiber skull mask over his face. Oh yeah, that's that's Die Hardman style though. You can't take that away from Die Hardman. Guillermo del Toro's character. You know what his name is? Guillermo. Dead man. Oh my god. There's also Heartman. Like a okay. fucking Mega Man character. Yeah, I think I'll say they all come together and make one Voltron-esque Mega Man guy. Margaret Qualley's character is named Mama. Wow. Confusingly. It's just Mama. Yes. But my favorite thing so far is that, okay, so out of the West Coast, there's a rebel faction who doesn't want to be part of America anymore. And their name, I'm not shooting you right now, is the Homo Demons. That is great. <laughs> that... that. Is, can, is that can we name that the left the left can we be the homo demons <laughs> this new podcast their name was the homo demons yep <laughs> we talk death stranding every week yep it's it is it's very it's a kojima ass shit so far i have not seen the kojima brand horniness yet except for uh norman Reedus, who he, he is very horny for oh yeah we see any dick well, so far, I have seen butt. I have seen uh, mostly nude, because you can take showers in the game. Yeah. And your shower water can be turned into bombs you use against the beat the, the, the ghosts in this game. Okay, but, the, but there is something very interesting about beverages in this game you need to mention, <laughs> I think. Um, so, every time that you uh, go to a pri- your private room and you look around, there is there are four cans of Monster Energy drink. And that is exactly, it is, it is Monster Energy... What, just a fucking 3D render of a Monster Energy can. Yeah, and but, you, um... Yeah, go ahead. And you can watch Norman Reedus, if you choose, pound these Monster Energy drinks. Just in glorious detail. Yeah, and also, there's something else about Monster Energy in this game, right? You have a, you have a certain ability? Uh, yeah, your canteen your character carries can be used to re- like, uh, up your stamina again. Uh, but it only carries monster energy, and any water that goes into it becomes monster energy. Um, I love this because I almost feel like this isn't a sponsorship. I feel like they did this without monster's consent. <laughs> like I feel like Kojima was like, it's going to be in the game. I don't care what we have to do. It's in the game. It's monster energy. It has to be. Monster was like, no, please don't. <laughs> what if it turns out at the end of the game that monster calls the Death Stranding? <laughs> I remember I was in the private room and I looked over at the bathroom section and it has two, three separate prompts. Shower, uh, use the bathroom, standing up, or sitting down. Okay. Like a moral choice in a different video game. Yeah. And depending on which version uh, you do, you get a different bomb. Either a pee bomb or a poop bomb. Yeah, I mean, the more this game is described to me, the more I feel like it might be the best thing we've done as a as society. And you have a baby? We haven't even taught the baby yet. Yeah, you have a baby in your little liquid canister thing, right? Yeah, you have a little tank with a guy named uh, BB in there. He's your bridge baby, and he's your BB the baby. Mm-hmm. BB the bridge baby. And BB's job is when you're out in the world and you encounter the invisible ghosts, uh, BB can point them out to you. He's like, "Yep, right over there. There's a ghost." Be careful. That's another thing, is that the the uh, creatures of this game are called BTs, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I'm sure they have some cool, gruesome design that they just love to show off. And then you're like, no, they're invisible. Yes. 
So it's like, what is this game? They're they're kind of creepy in the fact that when you do when you do see them when BB points them out to you, if you stand still when you scan, you can see these like ghostly smoke shapes of humans kind of floating in the air. And in cutscenes, and also when you get spotted, the way they move is you see like you you can see handprints on the ground, right? But the thing is, the handprints are human, and it is a very disturbing image. And if you get caught by the BT, like it actually manages to catch you. These like oil slick humans rise up out of the ground and try to pull you down into the earth. Wow, it's kind of terrifying. But my favorite thing about BB is he can get stressed, and when he's stressed, you just you take you have to take him off of your chest and rock him and sing to him. Oh my god, this needs to be a movie or a TV <laughs> show. And Kojima wants to make movie. He wants to make movie. Mm-hmm. So that's exciting. That excites me. You know, yeah. Lately, I've been more of a movie guy, than a video game guy. Well, yeah. So you saw some movies this last weekend. I, I was curious about what you saw and what you thought. Yeah, so I saw some movies on Friday night. I saw Jojo Rabbit, which is the new Taika Waititi movie. Um, kind of a, a satire set in Nazi Germany about a young boy named Jojo who wants to be part of the the uh, Nazi army. Uh, goes to like training camp and um, blah blah blah, and then he finds out that living in his house is a Jewish girl, and and is hiding a sign on one of the walls, and he you know finds out more about he he finds out more about her, he starts to like her a little bit, and then he you know he turns and blah blah blah, some spoilery stuff that happens to the movie, um, but at the end, and Taika Waititi plays his imaginary friend Hitler, and. <laughs> It's, I don't know, it was a weird movie, it was weird because when the movie was first um, uh, screened in Toronto Film Festival, everyone was like, oh, this is great, and it won the Toronto uh, Audience Award, um, and then it got a bunch of like bad reviews after, and I don't really understand the bad reviews, I thought it was really funny, um, maybe there's some problematic stuff I didn't really see in it, I mean, of course it's about Nazis, but it's, it's, mo- it's like very much a satire, Um but yeah, that was it. Was very funny. There's you know, there's some cute moments with child actors. There was um, Scarlett Johansson is very very good in the movie. I know she's a weird person to talk about now, but she was she did have a very good performance in the movie. I was I was really into her character, and that was it was a, it was a fun movie. I liked it, and I th- I think that um I don't know I thought it was cool, and it, it kind of has a an interesting place in our um current society with with um, Nazism kind of being back. So you're saying this is an anti-Nazi movie? I mean, I definitely say it's anti-Nazi. They very much try just tries to poke fun at the whole idea of it all. And I'm not I'm not sure if I would say this movie takes like an insane stance, but I definitely wouldn't say it's pro-Nazi. I'll say that it definitely tries to make fun of Hitler and all these the Nazis who worked under him by making them very farcical characters, which some people can say can be problematic because you're kind of you know, making the making light of these terrible people, especially Sam Rockwell's character, who's like a this guy who was at one point an incredible like Nazi. I think he was a fighter pilot, or he was just a, a general in battle. You heard it here like first, he, Seth. Seth calls this man an incredible Nazi. He was an incredible Nazi. <laughs> as far as Nazis go, he was one of the best. And then he <laughs> uh, he keeps falling down the ranks, and you know, it just it, it kind of makes fun of him. And I guess people can think maybe making light of that is a problem. But in the end, I think it was a very funny movie, and I, I had a lot of fun. I, I really liked it. How was in the movie? How was Stephen Merchant? He doesn't have a huge role, 
he's in it. I'd say he's in it for a good maybe four or five minutes of screen time. Mm-hmm. But he's very he's very funny. His the very first scene he has is is um very very funny, and then he kind of he plays a guy who's like you know trying to find out if you have Jewish people hidden away in your house. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he has a, he has some interesting interactions with the scenery and with you know the the characters who are, may or may not be Jewish in the movie. Here's a quick question for you: Is there is there a villain of the film? Huh. I'd say the Nazis are the villain, right? But is there a specific one? Like Hans Landa was the villain of uh, Inglorious Bastards, right? Yeah. Like, no, I wouldn't really say that. I would say part of. I can't I can't say some of it because it will be a spoiler for the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say that overall, it's more just the Nazis. I mean, um, Stephen Merchant is definitely a bad guy in the movie, but once again, he's not a huge part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, although he does maybe precipitate some of the big changes later in the movie. Um, but yeah, there's not one person to point fingers at. I'd say I think it's a lot of just the Nazis, and then of course there's a bunch of kids who like make fun of JoJo when he's in training and all that, and they're kind of the bad guys too. But yeah, not something, not something super descriptive. I'd say. Okay, I just heard. I was just curious. I hadn't heard anything about like a antagonist. Some people were saying this was kind of moved out an antagonist, and it was just like a general sort of societal, you know, badness. Yeah. Something yeah. like like train spotting or something like that. You know. Yeah, very much so. Okay, so that shows your rabbit. What else did you see? I saw Parasite for a second time. Oh yeah, rub it and in. I know. Well, here's what I'm here's what I'm doing. First of all, I was gonna see it a second time anyway, but now if it's still in town this coming week, I think I'm gonna see it one more time oh, God. because because it's unfair that you and Ben both can't watch Parasite. So I feel like if I see it three times, that'll make up for the money you guys would have spent. You bastard. Well, no, I'm saying like because we all want to support the movie financially. That's true. So I'm saying I will have I'll make up for the two of you not being able to see it. That's true. I mean that's that's kind of my plan. I'm gonna drive um, to fucking Athens to see it. You watch. I, you really should. I'd have. I w- You would be making the best decision. It was even better the second time around. Um, a it's a movie that has drive. an incredibly re- rewarding second watch. Um, it's such a funny and exhilarating movie that tells such a human story. And Bong Joon Ho is such a good director. I mean, you. You feel like you're watching a genre film the whole time, and he's telling this incredible story. It's so good. It's so fucking good. Um, so that was um, Parasite. I talked about it last week. It's a great movie. Best movie mm-hmm. of the year. And then I saw Doctor Sleep, which sucked. So you told so, me a couple things. Here's the thing. I, I want to get into this real quick with everybody. Uh, folks, we're going to spoil Doctor Sleep here real quick for everybody, because Seth's going to do it for us. If yeah. you don't want to hear spoilers about your sleep, go ahead and just skip ahead about five minutes because this is this is some shit we have to talk about. Yeah, I will say I'm not going to spoil anything major plot wise because one of the big things I'm going to spoil happens very soon in the movie. But the big thing about me for me in this movie is that I I don't know when it was filmed. I'm going to assume pretty recently, but it, I don't think it was ready for post Epstein America. Now why is that? Well. Okay, two things really, really stand out to me in my mind. One is, um, so one of the, one of the parts of the movie, it's a sequel to The Shining, and basically one of the things you find out, the villains of the movie, this movie has a distinct antagonist, the villains of the movie is this, the band of people who have The Shining, who are who use it for bad, and they basically find out they can live forever if they feed off of your essence, and if they feed off other people who have The Shining, they can feed off of them and live forever, 
and just commit, you know, crimes and do whatever the fuck they want. Or Highlander. Yes. So, um, they're going around, and so, but not only do they, uh, sometimes they, if they find somebody who's really good at using their powers, they try to get them into the group. So, you see this scene where there's this, this, um, girl who I guess, um, I guess maybe she's supposed to be underage, maybe maybe she's supposed to like kind of straddle the line, maybe she's older, I don't know. But she's in a movie theater, and this older gentleman walks up, and he sits next to her, and he's like, all right, so I've read your thing online, you know, blah, 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 I'm here, and then you want to watch the movie. And so then they're like sitting, and they're, you know, he's kind of doing some sexual touching or whatever on this girl who we are presuming is underage. And so what she uses her powers for is she puts the man to sleep, she steals his wallet, and then she she carves up his cheek with a razor blade, like puts these two little like marks into it. And is like, you know, if you ever, like, this is, like, you know, basically, if you find if you try to find young girls online, this is what's going to happen to you. You'll have to explain it to your wife. And basically, she puts a spell on them that for the rest of their life, every day, they have to look in the mirror and say what they did. Mm-hmm. Um, which is kind of cool. She finds pedophiles and punishes them. Okay. Um, pretty cool. Um, but then about 20 seconds after this scene, um, the, she becomes one of the bad guys of the movie. Oh, the, shit. The bad... The bad guys come up to her and turn get her into their gang, and for the rest of the movie, she's just a bad guy. There's no, there's no like, oh, maybe she, maybe she's good and doesn't want to be part of them. No, after after that, it's just like, oh yeah, she's she's bad, just like the rest of them. And it was just so jarring for me. They decided to use this character to be a bad guy. Like you could have written anything else, and maybe that's how it is in Stephen King's book. I don't know. I don't care about Stephen King's books, to be honest. Um. But it was just very shocking to me. That's what they decided to do. It's so definitely one, an interesting approach. Yeah. One, you've got a person who punishes pedophiles and you've turned them into a bad guy in the movie. Mm-hmm. So whether or not whether you can you can defend it all you want, it's just a weird look for me. And then two, a little bit later in the movie, this band of people, the band of people with the shining, they find another person who has the shining who's a a little kid who plays baseball and he uses his abilities to like read the pitcher's mind so he can hit the ball and like always get a home run or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. He's played by America's uh, current sweetheart, Jacob Tremblay. And, um, I don't know how old he is. I think he, he, I think he's a little bit younger. I think the movie might've been from like a year ago, but he's in the movie and he, after he goes, he's like walking home. By the way, this this child, this actual child, probably not even twelve years old, is walking down a cornfield, like a road on a cornfield, back to his house by himself, unattended. So that is, seems unwise. Crazy. The van pulls up next to him, and then since they have The Shining, they're able to like convince. They're like able to like kind of get him into there against his will, since he's young and doesn't have control over his powers or whatever. And then. They take him to their little thing. They tie this little boy down. The main, the lead, of, the leader of the bad guys, Rosie the Hat, she played by Re- Rebecca Ferguson. She straddles him. Oh. They and then all these adults are, are like around her, like egging her on while she straddles him. And then they, you know, fucking breathe in his essence or whatever, and fucking like start poking holes in this kid. And I was just thrown aback. Oh, like, this movie has some splaining to do. That's fucked up. I, 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 I honestly, this is when I was like, this movie is not for me. And this was about 30 minutes into this 
two and a half hour long movie. Oh no. Which was way too long. Another complaint, it could have been much shorter. Were you seeing it alone? I was alone, yes. What is it with Stephen um, King's adaptations being two and a half fucking hours long right now? Yeah, also it's called Doctor Sleep, and boy, I'll tell you, they're right. <laughs> because this movie drags oh, shit. It, at some scenes. I mean, there are scenes where I am like, this is a 45-minute section that could be cut out of this movie. So I assume um, that the character you called The Hat is the one in the trailers who has that stupid hat? Yes, Rosie, Rose the Hat, or Rosie the Hat, something like that. Why does she have the stupid hat? Is it part of her it's, powers? It's so interesting, because I think it is... We don't get we we only see her use the hat at the very beginning of the movie, mm-hmm. and then after that she's just very protective of it. Like anytime something happens, if the if the hat's on off her head, like somebody tries to pick it up, she just runs and screams and takes it from them. But we never really see what the connection with her and her hat is. I don't I don't understand it. I just yeah, she has like, to have the hat. That's a very dumb hat, and she should not be wearing it. Oh yeah, she loves it. She has to have it. Um. But yeah, a movie was not ready for post Epstein. And then they also like recreate scenes from The Shining and where they recast Jack Nicholson. And what I feel the like fuck? It, I feel like it's just Stephen King's grudge with the original Shining movie, a movie that has actual style and um, is one of the best horror movies ever and one of the, one of Kubrick's best movies. Um, yeah, it's so weird. They just like every like, and it's literally like there's maybe two in the whole movie. And they recreate them, and they're only on screen for like maybe half a second each. They are very, very short. But each time they re- they they have a new Jack Nicholson and a new Shelley Duvall. That both is times. insane. And one of the times they don't even need to have the new Shelley Duvall, and it sucks because Shelley Duvall has such an interesting face, mm-hmm. and her reaction stuff are so good. And this new actress, I mean, she might be a good actress. I don't know. She just doesn't have that. So it, like those recreation scenes were so weird because you didn't have that very expressive Shelley Duvall, and then you also didn't have three-time Oscar winner Jack Nicholson playing, you know, fucking Jack Torrance. So I was about it was to just say a weird fucking movie, in my opinion. Reminds me of when Ready Player One recreated the uh, Shining Mansion, the uh, was it Mountaintop Hotel or Mountain View Hotel? Yeah. Um, and that was more faithful to the the vision of Kubrick than this movie ever will be. It's one of those things where uh, it's like Jack Nicholson. Okay, so we don't think he has his grudge against The Shining. The Shining, in my opinion, is Kubrick's masterpiece. I think it's his greatest film. I think it is, like you said, one of the greatest mm. horror films ever made. Okay. Disagree it, with, but okay. What's, what do you think Kubrick's best movie is? Mm. Full Metal Jacket. Oh, damn. That's good, too, but... Very good movie. Yeah. But or two thousand one, but yeah. I'm, but I'm gonna stick with *The Shining* because I love that movie. It affected me deeply when I was a kid, and I've, I've kept on thinking it's a great film. But just like the fact they would have the gall to try and recreate and and change Kubrick's work, his vision that he worked so hard to create and forced everyone else to suffer to create as well, especially poor Shelley Duvall, who was almost driven insane working on that fucking movie. It's just. I don't know, man. It feels like it's disrespectful to film history, almost. I know. And it's like, it's not even because Kubrick is dead. But one, Kubrick is dead. And at the end of the day, no matter how much Stephen King disagrees with him, Stanley Kubrick made, I believe, eight movies that are all considered to be part of the larger film canon. Stephen King made one, and it's considered to be one of the worst movies ever. So, 
I really feel like at the end of the day, no matter how much pride he has in his work or whatever, he should have trusted in Stanley Kubrick that he made the best work. He made the best vision, which he did. And it's easily the best St- Stephen King adaptation there's ever been. Stick to books, bitch. Yeah, right? You little book bitch. You write 150 pages a minute. Just do that. Yeah. You should know your lane. I know. It's like, you, he, like I said, he made one movie and it was awful and no one likes it. Although it is kind of fun to watch. Remember the, um, the the other version of The Shining, the more faithful version that was shitty and no one liked it? Yeah, wasn't it like a mini series or something? I can't even remember. It was it was like Doctor Sleep. It dragged because like Stephen King is a very good writer and he can write a book that's like eight hundred pages long and you'll read it. But movies don't translate that way. Mm-hmm. You so you have to kind of take out some of that detail. And I'm not saying you have to remove all of your vision, but there's some things you got to leave on the cutting room floor in a movie. And you gotta read them. You gotta leave some of them out before you even get to the script. And he just does not know how to do that. And it, it stuff like this really, really lacks that. Because I feel, I from what I've heard, this is a movie that Stephen King approves of um, from the beginning because uh, he had more control in the creative process. And I'm like, hey man, like like you said, stick to your lane. I mean, some people can do both. Maybe you're not one of those guys. It's like when George Miller, not George Miller, who was it? Was it? Oh shit! I feel like an idiot right now, but yeah, incredible idiot. comic book guy who made the Spirit. Who was that? Was it? Was it uh, Frank Miller? Frank Miller, right? Made the Spirit, right? Which is one of those garbage films I've ever seen in my life. It's uh, as they say in the Blank Check podcast, a film that does not exist. Yeah, it, it's insane how bad that movie is, and he's a fantastic, you know, comic book guy. He just should never have tried to make the transition to movies yeah it doesn't work for everybody and you know know what you're good at hire people you trust and just stick with them because other people are better at it and that's just how it is actually now i'm thinking about it frank miller sucks dick i should have i, sh- I couldn't i can't believe i forgot about this he's the guy who went hard right turn after 9-11 and wanted to have batman torturing muslims oh yeah 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 frank miller is kind of bad he lost his fucking mind, so yeah. Actually, fuck Frank Miller. <laughs> I'm glad yeah. you sucked. Yeah, spirit sucks. You suck. Um, so that was an interesting movie roundup. So yeah, uh, you saw some pretty interesting stuff. I, I definitely am gonna have to find a way to see Parasite. Uh, I'm not gonna see Doctor Sleep. Fuck that. Uh, yeah, you don't have to. Jojo Rabbit also not playing anywhere near me, which is weird. Yeah, man. I, I mean, I at this point, I have no idea how I used to live there and be happy with the movie selection it's crazy isn't it i remember when after it was after ladybird had had success elsewhere and was getting nominated for the oscar it was right then that the the theater that you go to ended up having two days of shows and me and ben went to go see one of them because it was the only time they were going to show ladybird which was one of the most talked about movies of that year yeah and i was like this is not a fucking movie theater man this sucks and now it's been bought by AMC, and it's showing Hotel for Pet Six or some shit like that for. Okay, well, the theater weeks. I go theater I go to is an AMC. Right, but I'm saying that you are in a, an area that has a wider demand of stuff. So here we yeah. got this movie playing on four screens for eight straight weeks. I have no yeah. idea why. The so. Transylvania fucking cruise movie is on for a, a half a year. I like how you're talking about movies that came out like a year ago. <laughs> it's still playing. <laughs> Make it go away! I'm tired of seeing it! Yeah. 
Because I go and I see it every day in the theater. I sit down and I watch. You see Tr- Transylvania Cruise. Every day? Yes. What? You don't even know the name of the movie is the problem. Did I you actually to watch it? <laughs> I don't feel like you actually watched it. I'm hoping if I watch it enough times, absorb all the information and know it perfectly accurately, what it's called and what happens in the movie. <laughs> I'll take it away. I'll finally be able to destroy it with my fucking well, uh, mind powers. Well, to be fair, they're winning because you still don't know the name of the movie. It's so, called Transylvania Cruise. I remember no, I know the movie. No, it's not. It's called Hotel Transylvania 3. That's the same thing I just said. Oh my god. I know it. I know it definitely stars Adam Sandler. It does have Adam Sandler. Man, today I saw an article that said that Kojima is the Adam Sandler of video games, and I turned my computer off. Wow. That's weird. I don't even get that. Yeah. Um, before we go, I want to talk about one more thing that's happened. We're going to make get serious for a minute here. Uh-oh. So, Bolivia is currently experiencing a coup. Uh, the president, Evo Morales was uh so the thing is Evo morales had hit his term limits right as, first of all i should say Evo morales is a socialist uh who's been running bolivia for uh, like a decade now more than that even and he had hit his term limit right like america they have term limits to how long you be president yeah. and he sought a court case to get that changed and he won and the court injunction allowed him to run again for president an election okay. that he won because uh, he's massively popular. He has like 70% approval rate in the country. People love Evo, Evo Morales. He's done so much. Um, he's indigenous. Uh, he's a leftist, you know. Uh, they have a significant population in Bolivia of non-indigenous people who have long had a, a stranglehold on politics until uh, Morales came along with his party and broke that hold. So after this election happened and people, a lot of people, you know, it was all happened to be paid by the U S state department are saying there were some hinky stuff going on in the election and we should, we should redo it. We should just have another go this time. We'll do it right. Uh, even Morales was told, I think yesterday or the day before by the, the secretary of the army that he should leave. And there is currently the military is in control of Bolivia. And that's fucking, that's fucked up. And the military has the backing of the U.S. State Department and the CIA. You got Mike Pence and people saying that this is good, that Morales should go. So that, that, that really, that's all I need you to know right there is that if Mike Pence and the State Department, Mike Pompeo, were saying that someone is bad, they probably are okay. Yeah. Oh so there's, God. There's been riots in the street for a while now over the election. Most of it has been, again, the non-indigenous population of, of Bolivia is mad they lost. And so they were trying to to say the court injunction is not legal and that Evo Morales shouldn't be president. And the that they have deep connections, to this, again, to America and, and so several, you know, sort of business interests in Bolivia. And so the, the general that is in charge of the military right now comes from that class of people and so he's the one who's decided that he is going to take control of Bolivia and force out Morales and so there's a big sort of outcry in the country right now and it's probably going to come down to some sort of civil war wow you know Bolivia has two capitals really I didn't know that yeah um I learned that in Spanish class in high school I just wanted to put that out there um but yeah that's that's bad 
So uh, support to Morales. I think uh, solidarity with the people of Bolivia. Um, yeah. It was definitely interesting to see the response here in America where uh, AOC uh, called it a coup. And so did uh, Ilhan Omar, I believe. Uh, Bernie Sanders, unfortunately, was a little bit more reticent to call it that. He says that it's apparently a coup. And he talks about how they need to have free and fair elections in Bolivia, which they did already, and Morales won, so we should probably just respect that. Yeah. So, but Bernie Sanders has always been more of a domestic kind of uh, politician, and his foreign policy has always been a bit rusty. But I don't think anyone in America is really going to raise too much of a stink over this, and that's too bad because Bolivia is getting the short end of the demo- of the foreign policy stick right now, and I feel for them. It It sucks. Yeah. And you see so many people who online, oh, by the way, they're, when this happened, when the coup went down, suddenly, and it's documented, like thousands and thousands of Bolivian accounts that are a name followed by 12 uh, numbers were suddenly registered on Twitter and are going around telling everyone this this is good and, Eva and Morales should go and they're true Bolivians and all this kind of shit. And it's just this huge bot network. Wow. I, someone actually quoted, like, said this was happening, and they got a response from uh, one of these guys, like, Diego, like, 0568942 or whatever. <laughs> and somebody was like, dude, you're literally doing the thing we just talked about in the fucking tweet. And they were like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't realize I had to have a cool name to talk. <laughs> wow. I have to have a cool name. And it's just something. It was available. <laughs> It's just some white dude sitting in Georgetown trying his best to argue on Twitter, and it's so fucking stupid. Yeah. Um, and people, and there are people who are like, "Oh, if you love Morales so much, why don't you move to South America? Why don't you go live in Bolivia?" And my response to that is, "Why would we want to leave America? Because our struggle is here." Yeah, that's the whole point. It's people are like, "Oh, if you don't, if you like it better, or you like something there." Then just move. It's like, no. Why would, I, why would I just leave somebody behind? I want to make things better. And not, not to mention that all these countries keep getting sabotaged by America. Unless we change America, they're going to continue to fail. Exactly. So we won't be going anywhere. Sorry, millennials will be remaining here in America to uh, foment the revolution. Yes. We're going we're gonna to ferment everything. Oh, man. By the way, uh, real quick, a short anecdote. Uh, on Saturday, I was having dinner with a bunch of boomers, mm-hmm. um, and there's this one guy there who was from Brooklyn, uh, grew up there, now lives down here in Georgia, and he was talking about like he was talking about like private golf courses, you know, and how you see these like unmarked sort of places that just have like an acorn for a sign, but it's like a multi-billion-dollar complex where like yeah. rich people go to golf. And he's like, you would never know. There's always security and stuff like that. And I'm kind of like, yeah, man, that's that's crazy. It shouldn't have that. That sucks. And he's like, yeah, all these uh, all these rich coastal liberal elites, uh, unlike us deplorables. And I was like, oh, fuck you. <laughs> like, yeah. Ain't no wow. fucking deplorables around here, my friends. Remember, today's golf courses will be tomorrow's billionaire graveyards. Oh, yeah. So... So it's just interesting, though, how conservatives have misplaced their hatred. They think it's they think it's rich liberals that are ruining everything. And my response is, it's liberals and conservatives, my friend. Both of them are bad. Yeah, everyone sucks. All right. So anyways, that's a good place to sign off. Um, 
You you good, Seth? You think you think you're all right? I'm good. Did all I right. mention the thing about Doctor Sleep? You did. Okay, cool. Uh, so this has been the Lineals Podcast. Uh, I have been Smith. You can find me on Twitter at MC Surf. Uh, I'm Seth. You can find me on Letterboxd at Kanazeras. K Y N A Z E R A S. Our art was done by Marcus Barkley, who is no, not here, but he is on uh, Instagram at Mr. Beaches. Our theme song was done by Ben Powell. He has been on episodes of the show before, especially our movie reviews. Um, and he has his own podcast called Southern Smackdown, where they talk about wrestling and they're both from the South. So if that sounds interesting, go check it out. You can lose a horse of water, but you can't make him get under it. Fuck Kevin Durant, Tom Brady, and the movie First Reformed. Please go to iTunes and rate and subscribe our podcast. Maybe we'll get some more views that way. Oh I've no, never we're doing said this, this. Now? I've never done this. I want to see if people will do it. You don't have to, but it'll be nice. Oh, no. See if we can get some more reach. We're these people now. Oh yeah. We'll um, read your review live on air. <laughs> I mean, hey, if you tweet at uh, at the the Illennials account or me and Seth, uh, we will definitely probably read read your tweet because yeah, I'm not a very busy you. man. I will reply. <laughs> Uh, but we have stopped trying to solve our problems and trying to outlive them. And from New Orleans to New York, that's the Elimos Podcast, baby. We're out. Out.